So we are on chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. And throughout this series, we've seen over and over unusually vulnerable yet powerful sharings, a very personal sharings that Paul does. And this is a section I'm reminding each one of us that Paul is uh, taking a deliberate insert into the his letter, sharing about why he does what he does. And in, especially in this chapter, he's talking about true ministry. Because he was, um, the objections were there, the doubts were there. And then uh, before we jump into the text, I think we need to think about when Paul is talking about apostolic ministry, it's not just for the special category of people because he's talking about new covenant under which all of Christians, Christ followers are. So this passage is applicable to each one of us. And it's, it's revolutionary. Um, I think we should think about this passage as the message about authentic Christian life. But authentic Christian life has a lot of paradoxical truth. G.K. Chesterton defines paradox as truth standing on her head, upside down, waving her hands for attention. Paradox is truth standing on her head for a, to, to draw attention to that truth in a new way. So paradox, paradoxical truth is important in Christian life because when you think about the conventional knowledge about what Christian life is, even in as we speak in this country, this Western, Westernized, civilized in America, North and Northern America, and where the Christianity is popular everywhere. The authentic Christian life is paradoxical. So when seemingly very similar type of spirituality comes up, we could easily misunderstand as this is a real thing. So that's why today's message is so important. So in light of that, let me begin with some common misconceptions in pursuing an authentic Christian life. Here's the first one. It is often misunderstood as a pursuing a powerful life through faith in Christ. The TVN, the Christian Network, used to have, I don't know, still, they still have that. It's fascinating for me to, to watch that program. 
uh, and which happened to be an you know, ABC light line because of the talks of this pastor embezzling the money and having mentions and different things. The title of that program was Success and Life. Some of you guys probably remember that too. The idea is this. Faith is powerful. What you want is success in your life. So if you put faith at work in you, that you could experience powerful successes in life. And in that sense, we talked about the super apostles, the false apostles that Paul is addressing here. And because of these false apostles arriving in Corinth, and they began to doubt about Paul's authority and ministry. And they were really showy. And they just brag about all the external things. And it, it is often called it a triumphalism. Triumphalism. In terms of Christian life, it's all about power and victorious and there's no defeat at all. So if this is the Christian life, we're in big trouble. I, I mean, this misunderstanding is everywhere. And in the political uh, ramification of that, and even the white mainstream evangelicals are the way they are because of this. Secondly, it is often misunderstood as experiencing a travel-free life through God's blessing. And if you obey, and if you trust God, and God's going to bless you, you will be healthy, and you will be wealthy, and you will have no obstacles in your life. That's pretty much it. But if you look at this passage so closely, today you, you examine yourself and you will see how different. Initially, because of faith, it looked similar, but how faulty it is. Thirdly, it is often misunderstood as becoming invincible in all ways by God's strength. The idea is, I am really weak. So I cling to God's power and God's strength. And then God made me strong and powerful and invincible in all things. That's once again very close. But if you look at today's passage, you will find the faulty ideas coming out. And lastly, this is the fourth one. It is often misunderstood as a living, as a self-actualizing life. Living out our dreams by faith. Um, 
it, it is Christianity mixed with New Age movement, and Oprah Winfrey religion is also there. And if you look at, go, go through the self-help book, even the language is very Christian language, and this is about my goal, my dream, God is helping me to get there. So in light of that, as we read today's pa passage again, think about paradoxical truth. Can you identify them? Remember, paradoxical truth, paradox, is a truth standing upside down, waving for attention. <clears throat> today's text is 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, verse 7 through 12. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. There are at least four paradoxical truths in this. Did you see some of it? And here's the first one, obvious one. Truth number one is authentic Christian life is not about becoming powerful, but embracing our weakness as a vessel for God's surpassing power. The, as the sermon title um, suggests, and this is actually from this verse, verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Let's think about few things, asking questions. The first question I'd like to ask is, what is this treasure? In verse 6, a few weeks ago, we talked about, uh, Paul talked about seeing the light of the knowledge of glory of God. To simply put, it's the gospel. Unless Spirit opens our eyes, we cannot see the glory, the light of the gospel. Or to simply put, Christ himself. And power belongs to God because of this treasure. Every single Christian, Christ in me, treasure is residing within us. Second question is, where do you have this treasure? This is the paradoxical thing. 
in easily breakable clay jars. Which means there is no glory and power in us. When you think about clay jars, in the original language it says earthen vessels. So we're not talking about the beautifully manufactured, handcrafted, artistic you know, Choson dynasty base. We're talking about this very uh, typical clay without much of a shape, I mean, beautiful art artifact on it. It's a simple container that first century people used to, as a vessel to carry water, to, to store some of their treasures in there, to put oil, to put flour. So usually those things are breakable they used only about a few months, a year at best. And Paul is saying every single Christ follower, you and I, are clay pots, jars of clay. And which leads to the second the third question, why is this treasure placed in clay jars? Not, not, why not in a golden vessel, silver vessel, or at, even at least stainless vessel? But clay jars, it is to show that surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Would you bear with me? This is the, there is a reason why I am taking time through this so seemingly obvious truth. Because paradox is calling for attention. Think about um, a, a day that they, uh, Jesus was riding on the donkey and having this triumphal entry to Jerusalem. Remember that? And then, <clears throat> if we are donkey, as Jesus is riding the donkey into the Jerusalem, people are waving, Hosanna. They're, they're not only waving their hands or their clothes are, are laid on the floor, laid on the uh, ground as a respect and royal treatment. It's like a, a you know, portable red carpet being unfolded there. If you are and I were the donkey and looking at the people and these people are praising and giving glory and hooray and even more than World Cup, Right? Palm branches. But what if I think that 
oh, this is for me. I'm the donkey, and I'm the coolest donkey in the world. <laughs> I love this attention. I'm going to soak it in. How foolish that would be. But when we become prideful, when we become self-entitled in such a way that everything has to be centered around me, is like we become like the donkey. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Have you experienced wonderful things because of God? Healing, forgiveness, restoration, reconciliation. And our church have experienced incredible things. And it, it, uh, Saturday morning at the uh, church retreat, old church retreat, Pastor Scott led us the exercise on the board, and it was incredible. And a few, um, just a few months ago, we experienced the city of Santa Ana changing the zoning law. God did it. But what if we begin to think that because I'm special, because in some such a way um, stand out, I think this is one of the important basic wisdom we need to think about. In Psalm 62, 62 verse 11 says, Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. The paradoxical truth that we need to live by is that when we are experiencing especially successes, just fruitfulness, and your business's work is taking off, and whatever you do is flourish with blessings, your kids are doing well, and that's the time we need to utter power belongs to God. Glory to God. Thanks to be God. Not to us, not to me, O oh Lord, be the glory. That's what it means to be a true, authentic Christian. I, actually, I think preach on this verse, another, another whole message. But to keep it tight, let me just share one more insight in truth number two. Truth number two is authentic Christian life is not about being unbreakable, but being vigilant about our fragile weakness for spirit dependence. Same verse, I want to think about this verse in a little more uh, deeper way. So it, it's not just about 
giving glory to God only in our lives uh, and in our ministries. But it is also about realizing and acknowledging our vulnerability to, to temptation and sin. We are easily breakable. And some, some scholars said it, we already have broken. So not only clay jars, but crack pots. Clay, <laughs> you know. It is true. You see how paradoxical this is? You are going to follow Christ with all your heart and you really want to believe and exercise your faith every day. And we could act like I am going to fight and win and do miracles in the name of Christ. And I I'm not going to give in. Brothers and sisters, this is the biggest temptation that we face in Orange County when there is an affluence and comfort, when most of us don't have a typical trouble, the third of the world country where the next meal comes, where the next water comes. And there's no bombs around us. So in a way that what Satan does is that in the beginning, there seems to be encouragement. The picture goes like this. We are, imagine that we're climbing a tree. Tall tree. And then the devil claps. Great, you're doing great. You just started volunteering in your welcome team or outreach and your homeless ministry. Or you, you were their foot bank or, or the... Um, prayer meeting, home group you volunteer to lead and facilitate the study. That's great. And the people are praising you, encouraging you, thanking you. The higher you go up, the more thrilling and now exercising your faith and your, your obedience is just gratifying. When you're almost up at the top of the tree, this is what Satan does. Shakes the tree so hard. And then you fall. That's a tree, the tree of a pride. And oftentimes, um, we are all aware of this. The people who get drowned in, usually in the, at the beach are not the people who couldn't swim, but people who think they could handle the ocean. First Corinthians ten twelve said, 
those who you think you stand. Take heed lest you fall. If you think you're standing, don't be prideful, don't be arrogant, don't be self-reliant. The Satan's going to knock you down. That's exactly what you're saying. So there are some things that each one of us are weaker than others. And some people need to stay, stay away from uncle. For me, it's carbs. And as you know, you know uh, I, I'm just declaring my vulnerability to those things. But even beyond that, it could be pride. It could be gossip. It could be a small amount of holding on to bitterness. It could, be, it could be negativism. It could be just self-reliance. And it could be just cynicism. And you think you could handle. Be very cautious. Because you're Klejar. You are breakable. In spite of the fact that you have cracked before, The treasure to be revered and for people to see. Instead of trying to hide our vulnerability, trying to put down the, all the curtains, and then there is no window that is transparent, people to see through what's going on in your heart. The Paul... Apostle Paul's example is the example that we need to follow. The need for transparency, the reason why we do heart sharing in our men's group, women's group, is not because we are going through some kind of a amateurish psychotherapy, but to be, to create a safety for us to be vulnerable about the struggles that we are going through. Because that is the reality. But in paradox, what happens is people see the, the light of the glory in you, the Jesus, the treasure in you, when you become transparent. Not hiding your, your brokenness, not hiding your, not being so protective about your privacy in a sense. Well, there is a degree of personality temperament difference. I give you that. But I'm talking about showing the glory to even non-Christians. And, and our church is at that junk, juncture as well, crossroad, to think about so have we done so well, so much, that we have something good in us that God had provided this special favor for us? Or how, how are we going to live our next 10-year life? Truth number three. Authentic Christian life 
is not about dodging hardship and suffering, but remaining resilient in them by God's power. This is another seemingly very overly obvious statement that we need to pay attention to. Look at what Paul says, verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Let's make that observation again as we're reading it. You could read it this way. Afflicted, yes. That's a normal no, life. In, in life, affliction, affliction, troubles are normative. But not crushed. The Greek language in here is that afflicted is a being pressured, hard-pressed, squeezed, but not crushed. This is a normal Christian life. But because God gives us the supernatural surpassing power, we become resilient. Hard-pressed, but not crushed. Perplexed. I don't know what to do. It's just clueless. We are at that right now. We just had a, a facility search planning meeting. I still become perplexed about what, how are we going to solve this problem? But not driven to despair. Persecuted, yes, but not forsaken. Struck down, calamity. Big problems or earthquakes can happen, can happen, but not destroyed. Looking at modern paraphrase, Eugene Peterson in message translation, and gives us a little more closer to our culture, and he writes it this way, paraphrases it this way, same Verses 8 and 9. Surrounded and battered by troubles, but we are not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know what God, we know that God knows what to do. We're spiritually, spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. Oh, isn't that good? We're thrown down, but we haven't broken. Christians are not immune. That's probably the uh, my mistake for the paradoxical <laughs> truth. The, uh, Sorry about that. Christians are not immune to troubles, pain, and suffering. Christians have bad days. Christians have financial problems, marital problems, 
cancer, uncurable disease like PML in my brother's case, terrible losses, grief, oppositions and hostility against us, and yes, CUP problems. <laughs> So if you are living through one of those misconceptions, the popularized concepts about authentic Christian life, it is distorted. If you're going through trouble, it just becomes really confusing, isn't it? Isn't God supposed to be good? Isn't God supposed to be powerful? Why doesn't he do anything about this right now? About our kids? About our finance? About our CUP problem? But know this. Paul is sharing this to show that it is actually a pathway to experience God's power. So when we are broken inside, when we are helpless, obviously it leads us to desperate dependence on God. And God's power is revealed powerfully in and through us. The concept of suffering in this sense is something very paradoxical for us. To, 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 to keep it very clear, we're not a, a masochist or the sadist who are running into a wall and just enjoying pain. Of course not. But we are to look at the troubles and pain and suffering and even unexplainable things that wakes us up in the middle of the night and look at it in a pathway to God's grace and God's power. And this is where rubber meets the road. Authentic Christian life is the beginning point of that we realize the kingdom of self, that our own reign is undermined for the kingdom of God, the reign of God. So in other words, I become, John the Baptist said, you must increase and I must decrease. That's the paradoxical truth here. <clears throat> but as we are going through these troubles, the Christian difference is to show our responses, not just the resilience for the resilience sake, but to show God's power beyond our natural power. That God is glorified in this. Truth number four, and the final one, 
Authentic Christian life is not about pursuing self-satisfying life, but dying to self for the sake of Christ in order to give life to others. And obviously, we need to be mindful about that what Paul is sharing is applicable. But in, in, the, in the context, or original cultural context, Paul is going through much physical pain and troubles. He was beaten several times, stoned several times. O- almost to a point, he, people thought that he was dead because of persecution. But the concept that he's sharing is applicable to each one of us. Verse 10, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may, be, may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us but life in you. So he uses the word the death in a literal sense because he experienced close to death experiences but in a figurative sense also too. Something is really breaking us to a point that we're dying. Dying to self. Our unbreakable hardened stubborn self is being broken by the severe circumstances. That's what he's talking about. The cross is what he's looking to. And Jesus himself, although he's God himself, he surrendered, he humbled himself to a point of the obedience to his father. So in other words, when he was hung on the cross, it's not because of his inability. It's a blink of his will. The armies of angels can come show up and destroy all his enemies. But he humbled himself. He looked pitifully helpless. Took the way of the cross. And there's a purpose in that. Because giving his life as a ransom for many, that we have given life. The life of Jesus, the resurrection life, becomes ours. So in one sense, when you think about in our own lives, as something is really just pressuring us and, and going through that, humbling us, you feel helpless and hopeless. And that's God's help. God's breaking heavy hand on us so that we can break our stubborn self-will. Our ego. Have you seen those people? People who are doing well and don't face any troubles and they don't even know they're arrogant. Or maybe we were there too. But people who have gone through such a severe pain 
and then come out and still journeying through that, their faith intact, there is a glorious joy and humility. So every time when I talk about my brother comforting me instead of me comforting him, it's because I see that. God had humbled him. So the, notice this dying to self is voluntary. No one is forcing you. In other words, even the severe, painful experience to come, some people come out as bit, more bitter, cursing at God and mad at God become cynical, leave the church, blaming on others. But some people receive it and surrender to God and dying to self really happens. The glorious freedom comes and the choice is ours. I don't know what you're going through these days. I have a handful, and handful that makes me wake up in the middle of the night. And uh, uh, I feel very self-conscious about even eye twitching right now. And because of all that, it's, it's going on. But we need to look at this paradoxical truth. And then there are times that I felt so, so anxious. In the middle of the night, I couldn't go back to sleep. But there are times that God points to the breaking point for me. And nothing has changed, but as I'm surrendering, as I am denying myself and desires, fleshly desires, I am humbled. I am freed. It's mere, it's not merely I'm trying to have, I ought to be humble. But God makes me surrender. And that's grace. And his grace is sufficient. And we'll get to that chapter when Paul talks about his ultimate experiences of God's grace. But today, as we look through this, this verse comes to mind where Jesus' word in John chapter 12, verse 24 to 26, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Do you see the paradoxical truth in this? So, brothers and sisters, let's have 
eyes of faith, looking at our problems and troubles and sufferings, let's realize that this is an opportunity to glorify God and to bring life to others because of our dying to self. The people believe our life in action. They could read motives miles away if we use words only. But if we live it out, still our faith intact, rejoicing, continually giving thanks to God, our pain and suffering doesn't break us down but become more grateful, humble. And I close with this quote, Ray Stedman, in his book, uh, um, Authentic Christianity, uh, has an exposition on this chapter. And it's beautiful. I, I wish I could share more, but this is an excerpt. Statement writes, So often in our time, power is used to tear things apart or blast or explode or crush. But transcendent power unites, gathers, harmonizes. It breaks down the middle walls of partition and removes barriers. It does not make superficial external adjustments, but works from within producing permanent transformations. Do you know any, of, any other power like that? It is absolutely unrivaled. There is nothing like it anywhere else. By design, God entrusts this secret to failing, faulty, weak, and sinful people so it will be clear that the power does not originate from us. It isn't the result of a strong personality or of a keen and finely honed mind or of good breeding and training. Nor it arises solely from the presence of God in the heart. Our earthiness must be as apparent to others as the power is so that they may see that the secret is not us but God. That is why we must be transparent people, not hiding our weaknesses and failures, but honestly admitting them when they occur. My prayer for each one of us and as our church, uh, corporately also too, that we will see, taste and see the glory of God and goodness of God and power of God in the coming season. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for this timely message for each one of us personally, individually. But as a church community 
we are so thankful for you provided once again the guidance from the scriptures. We pray that you will show us how vulnerable, how fragile we are. So that we might not just merely convinced and become aware, but we become vigilant against our pride, our arrogance, our self-sufficiency, self-reliance. But Lord, we do pray the treasure in our hearts, each one of us, will be glowing. The light of the knowledge of glory of God will shine through us. And make our church like an earthen vessel through which you show the light of glory of Christ to the world. And Lord, we, by faith, give you thanks the troubles that we face in our lives individually and as a church. We pray for your glory to be shown in and through us. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.